0: Hi, I'm Kevin Decker, and I'm here with uh, my lord, Richard Gillis. I <laughs> Otherwise known that. as I Mons- Monsignor.
1: Otherwise known as Monsignor Gillis, rector of the cathedral. Happy to be here
0: with you. And we are excited to talk to you about today because there's, a, there's this huge rave going on about the new evangelization, and it, it really bothers me, especially being a guy from Focus and everything like that. They call it the new evangelization. When it's not so new, is it? No, no.
1: no. Hold on a minute. This has been around since John Paul II. That's not the new wave. It's been around for a while. Okay, since
0: 1980. If you put from the beginning of time to now, it is kind of new. Okay, sure. Uh, I also, too, wanted to to wish everybody a happy St. Patrick's Day. You probably won't hear this on St. Patrick's, but I think that's what got me fired up about the new evangelization because St. Patrick is, what, one of the best evangelizers out there probably since St. Paul? Yeah, absolutely. He uh, picked up the mantle where Paul left it off, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, left his
1: his country, Britain, as a slave, and he mm-hmm. eventually discerned his way into the priesthood, and he knocked it out of the park.
0: How, how did he do? How, how did he do so? Do you know? Do you know his story when he got over to Ireland? How did, how how did he do it? Well, I
1: think just the the basics, mm-hmm. you know, and he didn't have any social media and all these things that are awesome. But, I mean, he just went out there and he began to effective preaching mm-hmm. with vigor and determination and confidence. Mm-hmm. And he really felt he, he could do no less. He was absolutely driven to do it because mm-hmm. it was what God was asking of him.
0: Absolutely. So. Well, and I, what I like about St. Patrick, too, he goes in from town to town. He didn't just yeah. start like Billy Graham in it where he just said, let's grab 50,000 people and just explain the gospel and then say, everybody, good yeah. luck. No, he modeled it. He became the rabbi. He became what Jesus was to us.
1: Yeah, his evangelization was very
0: relational, right? To just dealing
1: Bingo. with people, looking them in the eyeballs and, and talking. Absolutely. So. so evangelization apparently has been around for quite a bit of time.
0: Quite a bit of time. And like and like you and I you and I were talking b- before we came in here, this just didn't all of a sudden 1960 happened and we just took a right turn. I mean I mean you yeah. you talk about it all the the generations beforehand. How how do, how did do we get to that point? The But the, just, you mean... Yeah, for like, of, is, how do we get to, like, 1960, the generations oh. before, and then all of a sudden, boom, we get into this huge sexual revelation and all this other stuff. All of a sudden, it's like we, we're sick of authority, and boom, we go to this, like, lukewarm well, spew we see today.
1: And then, you know, yeah, I suppose you could blame a lot of things on the 60s and, and you know, maybe with the council and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think liturg- well. Liturgy has a lot to do with um, evangelization because it is the source and the summit of our church. And, you know, I suppose this is a bit provocative, but it seems like to me there's some miscues, some missteps along the way. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, they typically say it takes 60 years after a council to kind of find the pendulum getting back to the right place. And we've been all over the board um, you know, so, yeah, there's been a great big drop-off in mass attendance. And so, I mean, talk about the new, the new or otherwise evangelization. It occurs through people, right? Absolutely. And if they're not having an encounter with God in sacred worship, the source and the summit of who we are, I mean, really, it's a no wonder that evangelization has dropped off because when you don't have that organic, deep, living relationship with Christ in the, in the, in the liturgy, then, then what's left? You know, okay. the thing is, you, you go to Mass, you assist or attend Mass to worship God. And if you're not worshiping God on His day, not my day, not part two of the weekend, the Lord's day, well, then you're going to start worshiping something else. Absolutely. And, and I, I, so why would I evangelize? So, yeah, we've had a great big deficit in the Absolutely. evangelization because the rank-and-file Joe Schmo and the Pew... I think it has, hasn't has done it. Absolutely. Well,
0: and I think you paint an awesome picture of it, Monsignor, and I, I, I've really noticed this, and this is how I've really been able to relate with the, all, all the g- generations with my job is, you know, you take my grandmother's generation, for for instance. You know, it's all about the pray, pay, and obey. It, it has nothing to do with relationship. has nothing to do with the why. It's my grandmother goes to church because, you know, or I'm not saying my grandmother, but her generation goes to church because I'm scared to go to hell, and so I'm scared to not do the right thing. That's not a relationship. That's just, I'm scared because if I don't yeah. do this, something really bad's going to happen to me. So then when the next generation comes along, which is, which is my parents, you, you have this sense of authority. It doesn't matter why we do this. This is what we do, and mm-hmm. you either like it or or, you know, or move on. And so you had a huge rebellion with the baby boomers of like, no, I, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. This needs to be more relational, which I agree with. But all of a sudden, then they dumbed down. Catholicism and Christianity, which you don't have to dumb down Christianity because Christ made it really simple. It's really hard right. to live out, but it's yeah. really simple yeah. to, to to pick up. So now we go into my generation, which is the millennial generation is we're not baptized. We weren't really practicing this. We weren't really, you know, anything else like that. So we're just kind of wandering around and be like, well, we don't even understand even what truth is anymore. Would you kind of agree Um, with that?
1: I I would, and you have a unique perspective because of your age, and I'm a generation-ish before you, Mm -hmm. and I kind of grew up with, this is just what you did. You Mm -hmm. went to Mass. It wasn't really deeply explained, but I'll tell you something right now. My mother, taking the four of us kids born in less than four years, and, you know, Mm -hmm. she she was a young woman. She had four kids by the time she was 23 or whatever, and that's what she did, you know, and... And um, and she made a, a big sacrifice, and but it taught me something. I mean, in, in that instance, it worked. I just remember growing up with this sense of the mass is important, right. um, and it was, in a sense it was expected or forced or whatever, it's just what you do, right. but somehow it worked in, in my family. But I think there's a lot of other people in other families I had this stuff crammed down my throat and I can't relate to it. I right. put my time in.
0: Right. And, you know? so, and see, and I, I can I can see that a lot from my own mom. She had it, you know, crammed down her throat because that's just yeah. what my grandmother and it's passed down. But I I, I will say this, though. My, my mom also picked up a lot of things from the faith, whether she realized it or not, because she had, hmm. you know, she had <laughs> diabetes when she had me. And so, you know, it was a huge risk. So she... Or her like having me and being pro-life and wanting to have me and whatever else like that not you know with my and it wasn't really an option for my dad and mom we were going to have me but the, mm-hmm. in christianity whether she was they played a big influence in her life because they still respected life yeah and, and which was a a real a real beautiful thing and i thank my mom and my parents for it every day so let's go back to something here
1: you said so you know there's the evangelization. Um, Saint Paul the Sixth talked about it, and then JP Two is kind of building on it, mm-hmm. and I guess he coined the phrase "the new evangelization" at the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of that sticks in your craw just a little bit. It
0: sticks in my craw a lot because it's it, well. First of all, it's not new. It's just it's been lost for so long. That's why it's new. And and JP 2s real thing was. These Christian places that we banked on being Christian aren't Christian anymore. They're living in a post-Christian society. Right. So so how do we go back in there and actually catechize and and evangelize? And, Cur- and Curtis Martin has hit it right on the head with focus and building that relationship, grabbing a few, going deep with them. It's exactly what Jesus did in the gospel. Go out, mm. gr- you know, grab a few, teach them everything you know, walk with them in life and then have them go and do the same thing. So, and, and I think that's the biggest problem. We've lost relationship. We've lost relationship and
1: to use the culture word, and you can throw that under the, the bus a lot and, and legitimately so, mm-hmm. but culture, it really, in, is. It, it's shifted and it, it indoctrinates mm-hmm. the masses into don't look any further than your nose. Yeah. It's kind of be be in this moment and... My thing is, the, the evangelization, however you want to call it, only makes sense if you have your eyes on the horizon of eternity. If you don't think you're going to check out one day and encounter the Lord face to face in your deathbed, and then heaven and hell's determined, you know, your eternal fate, well, yeah, you're going to live in the moment. I think we've lost track of that. Absolutely. Well,
0: and all I hear is talk about the new evangelization a lot. Yeah, there's some people living it out but you hear a lot of it from, from Bishop Barron. You hear a lot of it from father Mike Schmitz. You hear from it, uh, of Curtis Martin, you know, JP too. But I, I'm sorry, my, my, my ears are full. And my eyes are hungry. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I, and I think people today are scared to evangelize because they don't want to deal with other people's messes. I got enough going on in my life. I don't want to deal with somebody else and, and deal with more stuff and, and our, our society's kind of made us sterile to that, right? Well, are the two things you never talk about, politics and religion? Well, if you don't talk about those things, guess what? You, you're never going to grow deep with anybody. You're never going to actually know. the. You can only talk so long about the weather and sports before there's nothing more to talk about, and you still don't know the person.
1: And the thing about politics and religion is that it becomes very easy to categorize people, Absolutely. put them in a box, slap a label on them, And then you just kind of dismiss them and say, I'm not going to have a discourse. I'm not going to talk with that
0: person. Well, yeah. And because the the truth is the truth and there's only one truth. So it doesn't matter if it's a conservative person saying it, a liberal person saying it. at the end of the day, if it's true, it's true. And and when we, and when we start saying, well, you know, I'm more of a conservative Catholic. So, you know, I I don't, you know, I, I don't do much with the poor, this or that, that's more of a liberal thing, or, you know, I, I don't do the liturgy this way or whatever ad orientum, because that's a conservative thing, so I don't really do that, whatever, because that's what conservatives do. No, no, at the end of the day, we need to look at what's true and follow that, and and I, I just get so, so unbelievably frustrated with it, because w- all we're doing is splitting the church. No, we're Catholic, we're not conservative Catholic, we're not liberal Catholic, we are the one true Catholic church, period. Oh, no,
1: absolutely, and we need to go back to those basics and and to be challenged. You know, mm-hmm. hey, Kevin, do you think there is um, so Catholicism is relational? There's no such thing as what? a single Christian, right? There's no. there's no solitary Christian. We're Christian in lieu of the fact that there's somebody next to me.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, do you sense in the church so evangelization is relational? Do you ever pick up in the church? Maybe some people uh, circle the wagons. Uh, We're going to be a part of the the enclave of the saved and and just kind of hunker down and and
0: forget that big bad world out there. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's 100%. And you can see it in the way a lot of priests preach, you can see it in a way a lot of people live their life is, is, you know what, we're just going to, we're not going to ruffle feathers. We're not going to, you know, go too far out of our comfort zone. Hey, as long as the money keeps coming in and, you know, I can be the little administrator and work at my Mm. little desk and make sure everything runs smoothly. Hey, I've done, you know, my job. And that's the most sickening thing of all is because when you do ministry, it's not a job, it's a vocation. And, and it's getting personal with people and, um, and, really, and really walking life with them. It, in order to be the true disciple, you gotta pick, you got to literally pick up your cross and carry it daily and follow the Lord. Well, if you're not modeling that for people, people are going to have no idea what's going on. And let's be honest, if you're carrying the cross with no purpose, you're going to drop that thing pretty quick, fast, and in a hurry. And I, I want to say one yeah. more thing, too, about building relationships. So because my, my wife was actually talking about me this last night. Who do we invite over for Easter? You know, we have a couple families over for Easter. You know, do you want to mix your job in with your personal life? And I said, well, this isn't a job to me. This mm. is a vocation, and this is <clears throat> what we do. And we need to invite people into our lives to model for them what a, what a good Christian family would. Are we perfect at it? Heck no. We have a mess just like everybody else does. But you know mm. what? We, we, we dig in, and we need to continue to strive to model that each and every day. So and and that's why I don't look at you as my boss or whatever like that. We're in this together to help bring win souls for Christ, and that's why like it's awesome to spend and be able to do ministry with you and go out two by two. And I don't think a lot of priests yeah. have that.
1: Yeah, you know, evangelization is not a professional thing no. that just some people do, and I think the Catholic laity needs to take up that mantle with full vigor. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I guess life keeps changing, and you get positioned in places where you become more able to do that. And you know, I look at my own life as a priest, most of 16 years of it, with the exception of three years of teaching at McDonald and Chippewa Falls, a high school there. But it was really highly administrative, and that was my life. You know, it was a special ministry. Somebody's got to do it. It's not a bad life. It's a gift to the church. But I was really kind of... Uh, in a sense, uh, schooled, in the sense, my priesthood is administrative. And then when I became a pastor, then, you know, the, my fatherhood mm-hmm. started to open up uh, a lot more. And, you know, and what is a father? father is somebody who's going to be a strong person, a leader, and knows how to encourage, but to correct as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's part of the evangelization, too, is, Say, say what needs to be said, yes. and don't beat around the bush and give everybody a blue ribbon, you know? Exactly, you know? exactly.
0: Well, and, and I, I totally agree with you, and you can tell even for the short time I've been working with you how much this parish has really helped your priesthood come alive and that fatherhood come alive, because what makes fatherhood come alive is, is children, and your spiritual children mm. help make your priesthood come and your fatherhood come fully alive, just like my children do as well too, you know? They're not everything in my marriage, but they're definitely the glue of my marriage. They're definitely what yeah. makes my marriage beautiful. Is them,
1: and that's what makes my priesthood beautiful. Are my yeah. children, you guys? You're, yes. You know,
0: so absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I just, um, you know, I, I also want to touch on another story too because we have really dug deep in evangelization. I mean, I tell you, I tell you what, we, you and I have come a long way in it, and we've started. You know, we started from the from the bottom. Especially here at, at Cathedral, and we've really, we, we've really helped do that one-on-one building relationship. And that is something um, it it requires um,
1: some vulnerability and time. Mm-hmm. Everybody screams about, and it's true. I mean, there's there's not one person out there listening today that says, "Oh, you know, I got so much to do," and it's so. But where's her time? best spent I like the time that we have so precious little of it that somehow it bumps up against eternity so that way exponentially time multiplies and you're not losing anything oh I just wasted an hour talking to somebody on the street no you gained it for eternity because my thing too is you cannot get to God without going through another person you can only get to God by going through another person it's so so there again it's relational (laughs) And so, yeah, we're doing great things at Cathedral here, and it takes a little bit of risk. And it's reaching out to our brothers and sisters who are poor. I mean, I mean that's what what's all of Scripture talks about, especially the gospel. So are we, are we going to put our money where our mouth is or not?
0: Right, absolutely. You know? Well, and then also, too, like I, I want to share a little bit about, about the Lucas story real quick. I sure. mean, it's just such a beautiful story. I mean... You, you look at somebody like Lucas, I mean, could you explain to him who he was before, you know, because you knew him a little bit more before. Well, so,
1: okay, July 30th, 2020, right in the middle of COVID was my first day in the job here, so to speak. And, you know, arrival across and there's scaffolding and, and chain link fences and, you know, this great big massive mammoth administrative money project staring me in the face that needed to be done. So I'm trying to fumble and find my way in life and figure things out why I'm here, <laughs> you know, which kind of, the longer I'm here, the more I see what God's magnificent plan is. But, so anyway, I think one of the very first Sundays I was here, when hardly anybody was coming to Mass, you know, I guess understandably so to a degree, but, so this, 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 G- gentleman comes up on his bike just roaring in up to the doors. I'm outside trying to make connections and relationships, so I'm outside greeting people in the side parking lot in the West Edition right over here mm-hmm. because the front was all blocked off. So I'm I'm trying to greet people, hi, good morning, and all that stuff, the few people that are trickling in. And my good friend Lucas, he comes roaring up on his bicycle with his radio strapped to the handlebars just blaring out and then he starts spewing <laughs> forth all this stuff and I thought oh good lord who is this person and he just had this extreme gift for gab let's say it just yeah. was just wouldn't stop you know oh, yeah. it's like uh I, yeah okay you know it kind of smiled and did a little bit game. paid a few crumbs of attention to him but then I thought well I need to greet other people too like yeah. I just can't sit here with you for 40 minutes. Yep. So he kind of left a bad taste in my mouth in the beginning, you know. Um, oh, yeah. And I didn't really see him as a person. I mean, y- you did, but I didn't know him.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't have a relationship mm-hmm. with him. So... Mm-hmm. And. And so when I first first came on here, I, before before I had come to this ministry, I have to admit, I, I was scared of homeless people. I kind of tiptoed around them. I kind of didn't look at them because I didn't want them looking at me. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. asking me for something and whatever else like that. So I'd have, and, and I went to confession about it because I felt terrible and whatever else. But because looking back now. So I had a one gentleman that I'll never forget. The first week I came here, you're like, "All right, this guy, you know." Oh yeah, yeah. This, then,
1: this guy was coming to me, and I'm stressed out with this, a thousand administrative things, and I say, "Kevin, I just can't deal with this.
0: Go ahead, you talk to right. this person." And I'll never forget. I rolled my eyes like, "Thanks, Monsignor. Thanks for you know <laughs> uh,
1: sticking you with." Yeah, huh? sticking <laughs> with.
0: It. But I'll tell you what. Right now, mm-hmm. I met that young gentleman. And and he has changed my whole life. The way I look at the homeless, the way I look at everybody, you know, he doing the 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 struggles that he deals with on a daily basis. The fact that he's got two degrees, two master's degrees in chemistry. You know how hard chemistry is. Like I can't imagine even getting one. I mean, he is one (laughs) test away from becoming a doctorate in chemistry, and and he had um, and he had. some PSD from from a synthetic drug that he took because he was tired of taking the drugs he was taking because of the the side effects and and, and it kind of crushed him and he uh, he uh, no didn't really have a purpose like what is what is my life for now and we've just been really working together and building this awesome friendship and he's just come so far and he's just willing to stay sober and wanting to stay sober so anyway he inspired me to be like you know what I need to reach out to more homeless people I need to really love them and so Monsignor one day and <laughs> staff and he's like. Well, why not Lucas? I was like, all right, you know, I'll I'll, I'll give Lucas a shot here. I'll, I'll I'll invite him to coffee one day. And then you know, the Monsignor has to throw a little love. If you ever came to to mass at the cathedral, you'd, you'd meet him. I'm oh. like, okay, yeah. I was like, yeah, you're right, Monsignor. Yeah. Um, so I I came, and I uh, I, I came and um, met with Lucas, shook his hand, talked to him for a couple minutes, and I didn't get his number and I didn't invite him. And I was literally standing at the door getting ready to walk out, be like, oh, I gotta go going to the wife with the kids and everything. I should help out. I was like, I got to get his number. I got to invite him. All right. So I turned around came back. I was like, Hey, Lucas, I was like, you want to enjoy me for coffee sometime this week? When are you free? He's like, well, I'm I'm a homeless drug, I'm a drug addict. I got all kinds of time, you know, <laughs> so do. yeah, nothing to uh, do. So uh, I was like, all right, 9 a.m. Yeah. Monday, yeah, come to my office. So he did. And he had a cup of coffee and I sat down and just really got to know him. I'm like, all right, Lucas, what's your story, man? How, how did you come from a guy that that is born into a guy that's sitting in Huska Park, which is our our tenth tenth city, doing drugs. How does that happen? You know, and getting to know like, oh, he wasn't always poor. Oh, he wasn't always homeless. Oh, he actually came from a middle upper class family in Jersey, and you know, and and life fell apart for him and got tough, and he started doing drugs. And so I built this relationship with him, and I am so unbelievably proud of Lucas. It's 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 it's, it's, it's miraculous. He is sitting today, as we talk right now, March 17th. He is 78 days sober of meth and heroin. Those are some of the He's toughest done. drugs to stay yeah. sober from. Yeah. He goes to nine masses a week. <clears throat> he, um, he is clean cut, clean shaven. I mean, he just, he just had an interview for a job yesterday. Yeah. And we're looking for him for a place to live. And, and and I told him, I said, God will provide. You will not be on the streets any longer. God has anything to say, you. with you will no longer be on the streets. You'll be striving for Christ every day. And he has come from this the guy yeah. that just spews out anything that comes to his mind <laughs> to now he's just like calm. He's still mm. Lucas. I mean, he's yeah. still brutally honest. Well, he's from he's New a, Jersey. He's so, from yeah. Jersey. He's an Italian from New Jersey and he, he sounds like yeah. it, you know? So, but. But he's just become this wonderful. And the whole community, he's healed the entire community. Yeah. Because now that the kind community doesn't look like, oh, like, you know, all scared and, and backed off, they're actually embracing him now. I mean, there's one lady that even now has invited him over for her family for Easter. And there's yeah. other people that have invited him over for dinner. And help, like, hey, whatever Lucas needs, let us know. If he needs clothes, he needs this, whatever he needs. and And, and what a rally and what a story. You know
1: what it is? God is found in the vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so for you to turn around and encounter him, look mm-hmm. him in the face, you know, you mm-hmm. turn, you, you, he, your back was, you know, to him because you walked away. What I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. But then you turned, encountered him, you know, in a sense, the face of Christ in this young man and said, okay, but, you know, you have to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the cathedral parish too is, you know, you live downtown, and it's just, there's a lot of people come to us from all different stripes, and, and, you know, some of it can be troubling, but you can kind of take this defensive, scared posture, and you kind of, you know, and you get kicked around a little bit, and you get hurt, and you want to shut down, so I Uh, think we got to move past that, and God has found the vulnerability.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and, and, but, but, like I said, you don't need a master's degree to do the new evangelization. You don't need this big. You don't need to wear a collar, this and that. I mean, it, to be honest, it was one person reaching out to another person in need. And and just uh, like, I, like I told you all the time, I don't have all the right answers. All I have is an amazing conversion story from God and I know the simplicity of the Mm -hmm. gospel and I share that with every person I could possibly can through the way I live my life and through the way I I I talk to them and interact you wonder
1: what the phenomenal thing with Lucas too is from what I can tell and you probably know this better than I do is that he is he's reaching out to other people bringing other people to mass Uh, oh yeah you know and they're not Catholic that's okay they need Uh, a home they uh. need God so absolutely. Th-
0: that, so Lucas is a part of the evangelization. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I I mean I, I got to share this story because I just got to share how blunt he really is because it, it just it just it just it just tickles me. Okay, are you so, sure you want to share this? Yeah, no, 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 no. It's good. So so there was another homeless man uh, that was at the cathedral and he was just in the gathering area, kind of loitering around. And we're like, hey, hey, Lucas, can you tell him to either you know come in and pray and do sacraments or you know tell him to you know keep moving on. So he goes just strutting right over there. He goes, mm. he goes, hey, sir, this is a, this is a place for prayer and, and sacraments. He goes, well, I'm not Catholic. And he goes, well, how's that working out for you? You know what <laughs> I mean? Just, <laughs> just brutally honest. Just, uh, so yeah, there's he's, not much of a filter there. Yeah, there's no. not much of a filter. But, man, I, I love it, though, because it's real. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like I love and, – and I've noticed working with more and more people that have struggled with, you know, been in prison or alcohol <laughs> or drugs or wherever they've been – they know what their life is and they're honest and they're real and they have nothing to hide.
1: You know, people are, like you said before, they have messes, they're wounded. Mm-hmm. And and then that's kind of what you see in in people at times, maybe all of us, is that we maybe build a facade or you, when we encounter people, you see their, their brokenness, which can be unattractive to us. Right. But at the end of the day, like with how I perceived Lucas when he came roaring up on that bicycle, right. and I thought, you know, you just see kind of the shell of a person, but underneath there, there's a different person, oh, yeah. you know, in the words of Matthew Kelly, a better version of yourself. And <laughs> so, I can't stand oh, that phrase, favorite, but, uh, <laughs> so, you know. so dynamic. Uh, okay. So, but, you know, look how Lucas has changed. He's become more calm calm and self-possessed and approachable and he's he can be silent
2: yeah it's amazing it's it's It's
1: amazing you take a chance on somebody
2: what do you attribute that to that change becoming self-possessive and understanding who he is things
1: bye-bye drugs so that had a huge thing and i just think human quality human interaction with people who love him i this is gonna be sound terrible i'm a priest but I have grown in so much affection for Lucas. I mean, I love him. I really do. I really, oh, yeah. sincerely do. I, I don't know. It's just beautiful. He's so. hard not to love, you know. Like oh, I,
0: you, now, now yeah. he's like really hard like not to love the guy, you know. So I, I, he's just, um, just. A but very you know
1: what? Person. It starts <laughs> small, like the evangelization. So I mean, maybe Patrick did that. He, you know, worked with a little group of people, spent some time, gave them the love of Christ. Patrick didn't give the people of Ireland himself, he gave them Jesus Mm -hmm. and God's love for them through him. But, you know, and so then, and then maybe that little group went out there and expanded it. And, you know, look what's happened with here at Cathedral. And this can happen anywhere. This is not a Cathedral thing. I mean, there are people who need our love and affection everywhere. Absolutely. So, that, so, it, and look, I mean, but here, for example, you have, you know, it started very small. I mean, Kevin with you, taking kind of a chance for a risk and maybe me pawning them off on you. You know, I kind of shirked my responsibility. <laughs> and, um, but look what's happening. Like you said, there's other people like coming on board and people want to love. They really do. Oh, yeah. People want to love
0: other people. They really do. Pe- pe- people you'll you'll i hear it all the time when i talk to people one-on-one i want to help i just don't know what to do right and and us we i think i think this was another not to sit there and boast about how awesome we are but like i think god's really helped reveal to us that we need to find what people love to do you know you know we always say what are you story? what do you love and helping the, how does that help in the body of mm. christ Because not everybody is built to lector. Not everybody is built to to want to be a Eucharistic minister or the homebound or, you know what I mean, all that other other stuff. But there's still amazing skills and beautiful things that they have that can help make the body of the Christ beautiful and continue to function even better than ever before.
1: You know that, yeah, I kind of put that uh, call out there. Somebody was a brand new lector and I said, you know, this is great. People are stepping up to up to the plate to be uh, more intimately serving the body of Christ, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, if you have some gifts or talents, and this one beautiful lady from the parish said, just you know, she said I crochet or knit, and I, how about making prayer shawls for people who are sick and suffering, you know, maybe going through cancer? And I thought, well, there's a great gift. That's awesome. That's everybody's got to find their way in which to relate to other people, yes. mm-hmm. um, you know. So can can everybody just relate to let's say lucas in the way that we are no that might be outside of their zone but there's something everybody can do something
0: absolutely well i I know the young gentleman that another young gentleman that i work with you know i kind of had noticed he's coming in and out of my bible study i didn't really see him at mass he's just kind of floating around so i kind of pulled him in and um i can tend to be a little intense but i i I just kind of come in and say what are you doing and what's going on like what is your story Like, like you can tell you love Christ, but you're kind of floating around here. So I actually, he's like, I just don't have anybody to really walk with. I have nobody to really. So I was like, all right, you're going to meet me in my office once a week and we're going to start working together. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I was like, you can't say, you know, God, if you don't have a prayer life and you don't actually like, you know, communicate with him. So we started with a small prayer life, did that. And then it built into that. Now, I mean... Going from two two months from what he was hardly ever going to Sunday mass and you know whatever else and now he hits every Sunday mass and he goes during the week now, mm. he's he's what four or five days a week now going to, to daily mass and so he was saying oh it's hard for me to make mass on Fridays all right hey guess what we need a lector on Fridays why don't you lector so now you have yeah. to show up to mass okay yeah okay sweet now you know Tuesday through Friday is good because I have to be there Friday Tuesday through. it's like I'm, I really struggle Monday morning okay cool guess what we need to, we need a server. Why don't you serve? Okay, cool. Now he's hitting five days a week because he knows the two hardest days, Monday and Friday. He has to be there because he has to lecture, her, and he, somebody is counting on him. And I think that's what we don't – and I think that's something we've so failed at is, like, we're too scared to put pressure on people to actually, like, you know, in a kind, loving way to say, hey, you know what? We need your help to get them involved. And we've kind of just like, oh, I don't I don't want to ask too much of them. Sometimes it's better to ask more, and right. then they step up to the plate more.
1: Yeah, it sounds- to them that I'm valued, I'm needed, I have something to contribute. So mm, it's a com- to me, it's a compliment. You know, I want to go back to the evangelization uh, more more directly yes, here. Yes. Uh, so, um, you, know, you know, my impression when this was being kind of rolled out, kind of what went into my mind was the, in the sense of uh, the the evangelization is re-catechized so to me it kind of took this emphasis on teaching doctrine Mm -hmm. and there's a place for that but you know and maybe i'm maybe i totally missed the boat on that but to me i was picking up the 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 new evangelization or otherwise is like you got to teach more teach teach Mm -hmm. teach there's a place for that isn't
0: there Uh, absolutely i think you know i gotta say bishop barron Great speaker. He said something really beautiful about the evangelization. And 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 you touch on this in your on your homilies as well, too, of saying, you know, how do we evangelize people? We don't grab the catechism and hit them over the head with it and yeah. say, read this and you're good. Yeah. And he says the same thing too. We have to start, we we always start with the truth and good, which is great and we have to, but we don't start with the beauty. The beauty yeah. is what actually attracts people to the church. Yeah. Because there's something every single person that's ever walked into any true Catholic church has ever looked at him and like, wow, there's something beautiful here.
2: Yep. And,
0: and so like, for instance, I always use the example of my wife, women are beautiful. And that's what I initially us to them. Like, wow, she is absolutely beautiful. Then you find out that she's good and true and everything else. And then that all wraps up in together. But mm-hmm. if you don't have that beautiful piece, then what's the difference? What's the difference? I, my life's chaotic with or without this, you know? What, know, what separates this?
1: You remind me, one person, um, I said, well, What brings you to the cathedral? Um, she said, and I think she's not even Catholic, but it was just the fact that it exists, that this incredible structure in downtown La Crosse, it commands your attention, it pulls you mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the highest building on the Mississippi River between St. Paul and St. Louis. Right. You know, so right. it's significant. And so then she physically, literally put her foot yeah. in the door and then it just opened up before her. Absolutely. And so there's an attractive... So, I mean, so the beauty of architecture,
0: you know, right. that, that literal, you know, real beauty. So I, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's why you have such polarizing things these days and people are becoming like there's no middle ground on anything or whatever. Everybody's either, oh, this or all that. And I think the problem is, is the people... The, the good people, they're not talking about the beauty and getting to actually understand the relationship. They're just pounding them with the truth yeah. or they're either doing two, one of two things. They're either pounding them with the truth or I, I'm not even going to deal with it at all. I don't even want to get into the confrontation of it or whatever else like that. And, and I heard, I heard a phenomenal priest tell me one time and he, he got up there and, and I, I just, I'll never forget it. He's like the, the, the true problem of the world is not the evil in the world because the evil in the world will always be there. The the true problem with the world is the good people in the world doing nothing about the evil. That is right. that is the true thing. And you see it all over the place as nobody even wants to take a step and even put themselves out there and sure. That you can
1: just uh, play it safe. That's yeah. somebody
0: else's issue, yeah. then I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Somebody else will pick this up. And and, and and Curtis Martin really touches perfectly on this of just like if not you then who? Yeah. If if not now, mm-hmm. then when? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You you have to t- finally take responsibility for your actions, and I think I mean Augustine is how far our faith goes back. Augustine says the the best, you know, praise everything, leans on God, and work as if everything uh, depends on you. Right. You know, yeah. and I I feel like we we don't take and and yeah, not taking responsibility is is one of the the fruits now we're we're eating the bad fruit.
1: You know, and part of it is is just getting getting outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and and taking a
0: risk. Absolutely. Uh, how are we going to grow if we don't we're not we're not made for comfort we're made for greatness and and people need to start believing that in themselves out for order this evangelization to continue to grow well,
1: and that's what we're teaching people mm-hmm. i think just by doing it in our the best way that we know how at this point point. and uh you know this is a cathedral parish and i think we need to model good mm. behavior as the mother church of the diocese absolutely you know we can't be this you know i think some sometimes uh, cathedrals in general they're kind of maybe depicted as these more academic you know high liturgy which is all beautiful and fine but if it just stops there then we're selling ourselves short because that's not the whole gospel no no it's know? not
0: it's and not. and and you know to, to lucas's point you know going back to him real quickly Well, one of one of his most famous things he said, he's like, I I don't I don't need another sandwich. You know, he's like, there's tons of overweight, homeless people because we 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 do the bare minimum. We we feed, we clothe, we we shelter. Those those are, yes, part of the gospel, but it's not the full gospel. You know, he's like, I want to be loved. I want to have purpose in my life. You know, that's an excellent point, and
1: uh, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, social organizations and outreach, and you feed them. Mm-hmm. That is so true, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, y- you can come, like the Place of Grace and all these awesome places, you know, that give food, but it would be easy to stop there mm-hmm. and not get into somebody else's mess. Absolutely. The real mess, not just, you know, the, the physical mess, but to get in their hearts
0: yeah absolutely yeah. and and i and, and i and i i get what luke's saying and i agree with him 100 i rather be star die of starvation and be loved than be than be full and be absolutely lonely and abandoned yeah i think a lot of people struggle with that and yeah. it's hurt it's very it's a great wound yeah it so, definitely is
1: so yeah you know the thing too is um Kind of touch. There's uh, going all over the place, but uh, you know, what about like healing ministry? There's so much woundedness, and and so it requires a, a lot of time and energy. I mean, to be healed of your wounds, and I mean, even the the most well put together pretty person on the street is going to have some brokenness and woundedness. Absolutely.
0: So, what what do we do with that? What, uh, well, I think it's what, it's what it's what we're doing right now. Like we did with Lucas, we meet them where they're at, oh, and we just walk with them. It's the walk to Emmaus. Yeah. It's it's we're gonna walk this journey with you, and this is gonna be hard, and I'm gonna be vulnerable. And 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 like my my <laughs> spiritual director told me, he goes he goes, don't lie your your a success on how Lucas ends up. You're not here to, to be successful. You're here to stay faithful. Mm. And that's my whole goal is I'm here to stay um. faithful and I'm here to stay obedient. And yeah. those are the two things I'm telling you right now that are going to bring healing into this world. Because, because, yeah, these healing ministries are great. I don't want to knock them at all. Praying over hands, doing praying for people, coming together as a community, I think is a phenomenal thing. But, but your job's not done after that. The real work happens is when you become the true disciple and you go after these people after they're done, meet them where they're at, because let's be honest, even if they get a healing, they're going to go back into their same broken life. And yeah. who is there to walk with them? Who is there to show them the light, be the beacon of light and hope, and to actually help carry the cross and actually walk them to, to the Lord and one day the Father? Who is doing that? And that is why a lot of these healing ministries fail. Is, is Yeah, they're, they're, again, doing the bare minimum of the healing thing, but, but, but we need to do more and get into to, to the mess of it and actually walk with these people to actually get them to the promised land.
2: You mentioned that. The, uh, is there a new ministry, right? You talked about new evangelization and the folks at Place of Grace and Catholic Charities are doing amazing things, right? Is there yep. a new ministry? that needs to happen in terms of outreach instead of, you know, Catholic charities, those guys are doing great things. Yeah. But, you know, you're talking about kind of people in the pews that aren't. Is that a new
0: ministry? Yeah, so uh, actually I want to touch on that real quick because the Loretto mm. House is a perfect example. Of oh, yeah. So so ever since working with Lucas and, and the other young gentleman that I've worked with and a few others, um, I've been working with a guy that's now s- uh, sober of cocaine and now another one that's trying to stay sober of alcohol and, and pornography and all these different things. And a lot of them came through my Bible study that I led before coming here. And, um, you know, and so I'm like, what do we do with these people? Because there's such an overflow um, of, of people that are trying to get into halfway houses, that are trying to get treatment, that can't afford it and can't. So um, I, I had the pleasure of meeting this Hermit nun that comes to Mass here. And she's a Carmelite nun. She lives right outside of, uh, right outside of Stoddard here. About twenty minutes away, and she she lives in the Saint Mary's Hermitage, and she's got fifty acres of consecrated land, just beautiful land. And she wanted to give it back to God's people. Her and her blood sister did, and so we had we had met, and I said, "Look, I'm working with these with these homeless people, and people are on drugs and abandoned and everything else like that, and they need a home." Well. All of a sudden, the whole community starts coming together. And I'm I'm not just talking about Catholics. I'm talking about Protestants, people that don't even believe, are realizing that our homeless population here in La Crosse has doubled in two years. And it's not getting better. And it's it's all over the, the board in the United States. So what do we do about it? And I said, well, Lucas is starting to be sober, but now he has no place to live. So bringing him out, and we're actually going to be building a chapel in the middle of the land, and we're going to be building two dorms on each side, and we're going to hopefully start with 12 women on one side, 12 men on the other. You know, they'll be in separate buildings, but it'll be connected to the to the uh, chapel. And we're going to have a, a, hopefully a full-time priest out there, and, to, and there'll be people out there actually walking each and every second of these people's lives. So they're living a Benedictine lifestyle, so they'll be... Um, they'll be t- learning how to make their bed, how to clean how to cook, how to uh, and then going to say the liturgies of the hours and having a holy hour then they're going to go out and actually work and actually chop wood and tend garden and uh, probably free range animals and mow the lawn and then they'll learn how to pray and self-mastery so when the, eventually to the point when they get back out into the world they know they can lean on Jesus Christ and they have a community there for themselves that it's always open that they can come back to and and, and and that's the big key, and that's the difference is th- they don't need another counselor that doesn't care for them, that's just there because of a job. They need an actual friend and a human being in Christ that's willing to walk with them and, and, and share that light. And I hope that kind of answers your question.
2: No, yeah, that's compelling. So I guess I would ask you both how, right? So what how would you what? tell the people that are, are nervous about the grittiness of that, like going out and talking to a Lucas? Like that makes sense, agree 100%. Okay. How do you translate that? To, what would you
0: tell people? How do you translate that to action? What lessons have you guys well, learned? Well, so like for, for instance, I have months. I I'm, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for Monsignor. I'm going to speak for myself. I I am not a very well educated human being. Okay. I've I've never really cared for school. I had probably about a, a 2.4 GPA. I think 1.9 in college. Just not, just kind of like nonchalant floated around. But I'll tell you what right now, when I when I actually experienced God, experienced the Holy Spirit and actually invited him in, and and I didn't start off with the Lucases. I started off with, you know, low-hanging fruit, just meeting with similar people, keep talking with people, and 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 just inviting them to different things and growing and learning about them. That's a starting point. You don't have, you know, people think like, oh man, I've experienced Christ. I'm going to go out in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And then they do like three days in the holy cow, I can't handle this. So uh, taking those small steps, but those little victories, like during Lent, you know, push yourself a little bit. Hey, I'm going to go meet two people that I, that I don't know, and I'm just going to have a conversation with them. You know, doing those small little exercises each and every day is going to help you more and more become a saint and evangelizer. So I, I hope that Maybe you want to add something to.
1: There's not much to add after that. No, but I, I totally agree with you. Um, it's just taking uh, the chance on people and spending time and... You know, I guess is is presuming the good mm-hmm. in another person yeah. that they want
0: to be reached out to. Right. You know, right. so engage right. people. Absolutely. And I'll, let me say that I'm, I want to say this, too. Pe- people look at the Catholic Church and be like, oh, there's so many rules, so many this. Oh, I feel like Lent's like 365. no. These are amazing opportunities for us to become more holy and grow closer to the cross of Christ. And and what better way to do it in Lent? And people just just miss miss these opportunities all the time. The church mm. gives it all the time. I mean, we do it in Lent. We do it in Advent, getting ready for our Lord to come and getting ready for Him to die and be r- rose again. And we just and we look at it and like, oh, great, another thing. Oh, burn a candle for Advent. Yay, whoopee, you know, ooh, hope. <laughs> no, but what are we actually going to do to gain that hope? To gain that oh. that that that, that sort of thing. You know, so many people, oh, I, gi- I give up f- fish on, you know, or I give up meat on Fridays. Well, cool. But what, what, what are you going to strap it to? Because at the end of the day, we need to become like, and my favorite scene and C- the passion of Christ is when Christ is handed over the cross, he doesn't like grumble about it nothing. He like hugs it. He embraces it. He loves it. And so and mm-hmm. that's what we need to be with us as well, too. Mm. Perfect. Well said
2: i so you, know, you talked about the enclave of the saved. So, what do you, as a pastor, say to the folks that find primary comfort in mass, right? Like the ritual of the mass, and that's where they find their holiness, and they believe that it's where the interaction with the Holy Spirit and God takes place, and that's sufficient. Is it? And if it's not, how do you how do you shape that change in your parishioners?
1: Well, it should be those things that um, that you are nurtured, you know, by the body of Christ and his teaching and his truth but for a reason. The, the whole reason that we're being touched by Christ is so that we can be Christ for somebody else out there. So, I mean, it's baby steps. Um, so just, you know, preaching from the pulpit about the necessity of not being afraid to, to go out there and to take our faith. Um, you know, like Pope Francis says, get out of the sacristy and get onto the streets. Um, so, you know, I think there's a bit of a cultural shift kind of going on um, at least locally here at the cathedral so and maybe you know so so we're entering into a capital campaign and part of it is we want to use those uh, funds to update our kitchen so that it doesn't serve just us what well, it does but it serves us for the purpose of Feeding the mission, so to speak. So going out there and and doing the work we're supposed to. So I would say, you know, if there's already uh, afoot this desire to um, uh, feed people, you know. And so if you take a meal to somebody, but it can't stop there. That's what we said. You can keep throwing money and food at people, yeah. but somehow you have to do it so that it becomes actually relational on a deeper level right but maybe that's the foot in the door with a lot of people you know how many times have i distributed food at the place of grace or places like that hardly ever never maybe i don't, you know but that might be the way that you know that's a big push for people Absolutely. is to do something they've never done before yes. well that's the first step you know because it's a built-in infrastructure then from there say okay hi who are you What's your
0: name? Yeah. So that just dawned on me right now. Absolutely. Well, and that's one thing I've been doing with the public library and building a great relationship with the public library. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot. Of, I mean, they've called me and said, "Hey, we have these these uh, couple that's distraught <clears throat> and whatever. Can you come? Over? And just sitting mm-hmm. with them and and and, and being there with them and saying, you know, I I I don't have a ton, but I just uh, here's what I do have and can I pray with you and can I walk this journey with you? And it's just, I mean, it's just been amazing, like how the great responses that people have.
1: You know, you can look at this and say wow it's just it's um, way too much it's it's um, overwhelming and so and I think part of it is like ah the poor you're going to have with you always this is a huge social problem it's it's overwhelming you know what can I do and I so I think maybe
0: there's some of this defeatist attitude that creeps in so People need to get over themselves, I think. And I'm, mm. I'm just going to say that first and foremost. I mean, it says in the last chapter of Matthew, it's a mission statement. Go and make disciples of all nations. We're all called to it. So you can't sit there and say, well, that's just not my gift or whatever. No, it's everybody's yeah. gift. It's going to look different for everybody else, but everybody is called to this in their baptism. And when they have their confirmation, they are called to do so. And so and if you don't, you will mm. be judged on that. Mm. And, and it's... I, I remember coming into the faith and my my spiritual I talked to my spiritual director. I go, I'm always nervous about will I end up and how how will I be judged? And he's like, you know, the biggest thing we'll always be judged on is our relationships. How is our relationship with God? How is our relationship with the Trinity? How is our relationship with our neighbor? How do we treat ourselves? How do we treat? It? Mm-hmm. That is the true thing we'll be judged on. and and you know if we because I mean if you look at the Ten Commandments that has all to do with that. I mean, wouldn't you say, Monsignor? Yeah, for sure. So yeah,
1: I was just—I'm pondering in my mind uh, this idea of challenging people to be more mission-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just got me thinking there, but you know, isn't that? I mean, so how does the mass end? The mass has ended. Go in peace. The mass has ended. Get out of here yeah. and go. Go, go out there and do your job.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So that's why, you know, you, sure, you, you, can, you should come to Mass. It's the source and the summit. It's the apex of the week. But if it just stays in that little nucleus and doesn't radiate outward, big deal. So what?
0: Yeah, wow. I mean,
1: we're yeah. receiving, just think, we're receiving these gifts, the body and blood of Jesus, which comes to us because of the crucifixion, this complete outpouring of gift of our Lord's self, to all of humanity, for every one of us to save us, and how can we receive the body of Christ and then not want to replicate that? I mean, that, that was the price by which we received Jesus in communion. Well, so doesn't it demand
0: that we take this gift for a purpose? Right. So, and, and I want to touch a little bit too on like, oh, like, well, where do I start doing so? I mean, Christ even said in the Great Commission that I will be with you through the whole way, just through the whole thing. He'll be with us. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave us the Eucharist, because he'll constantly be fighting for us, and there'll always be a thirst to have us in eternal yeah, life well, in the right direction. Like, like
1: you said, we've we got to get over ourselves. We're got not to. bringing ourselves to our brothers and sisters like St. Patrick. We're right. bringing christ christ and his message and his love and we don't we over complicate things oh my lot. gosh
0: oh. It, well and that's another thing too we either way over it, or we dumb it down so much that it doesn't make sense like bishop barron said don't dumb down the 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 faith it's already a simple pro- it's already a simple thing you don't have to dumb it down christ walked us through it you just have to constantly live it which is the hardest thing to do and, and Yeah, you know, there's an old joke, you know, for God so loved the world that
1: he did not send a committee, you know. Right, right. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> I do, you know what, I just think we need another committee to do this and oh, yeah. more bureaucracy, you
0: know. Oh, yeah, so, we um, yeah, we, yeah, we need more chiefs, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I so I so. There's only one. Right
2: think i have just one other thing i was curious about so we talked earlier about lucas and we'll play with this a little bit but at the diocesan level you know someone called i guess and you know lucas is in the way or he's you know who's this person at the mass right how do you how do you see somebody or how does that transformation occur from somebody who was avoided to somebody who's embraced the holy the, you know, christ in action the holy mm. spirit because he was somebody avoided right Absolutely. the other and now he's embraced so what would you say i guess your experience with that transformation, and then how do how does how do how do you help transform that?
0: Absolutely. Can I can I can I answer sure, my thoughts Go on for that? it. Oh, okay. So, uh, what focus did a really good job for me in, in teaching is do what you love to do and invite others to do it. So, and I will admit, even when I'm even a parish mission associate, it was a struggle for me to get to mass, and it was a struggle for me to do my rosary. So, inviting Lucas to come with me and do so. I was able to start hitting mass and, and doing my rosary, inviting him to do the, the same thing. So when we go to daily mass with you know every day with Lucas, I you know, he's he used to sit next to us, you know, with my family and everything in church. So people are constantly seeing that, be like, wow, he's somebody's reaching out to him and he's actually responding. He actually trusts him with his like little kids or whatever. So the, the guard just keeps calming down more and more and more. And they see, you know, and they see me, you know, you know. Doing the rosary with him. Oh, you know what I mean. I'm, you know, how about living complete life with Lucas. You know, because mm. so many people we get so territorial over things. Oh, my rosary is my own thing, and you know, when I go to mass, this is my own little time with God. Be like, well, mm. well, the hell with that. You know, that yeah. you have this beautiful gold gift, you better share it. So you know what? I'm I'm gonna invite as many people as I can into it because I need help too. You know, the thing
1: too is, Donna me. So, you know, everybody's got their story, their own perspective, and you might have people calling the diocesan center, even me, and say, "Yeah, well, this person's around there, and, you know, I'm, I'm afraid, whatever. Um, so what do you do with that? Well, you go to that person who's maybe making, uh, registering the concern or complaint, and you go to that person and say, who are you? What's your story? Yeah. Talk to me. So, yeah. you know, you, you get... You got to reach out to everyone.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so and it's still tough for me to do because I'll, I'll I'll be you know walking through the gathering area and there'll be a homeless person sitting there and it's like I got a meeting in two minutes. It's like get over myself. It doesn't matter. I can at least say hi to that person and acknowledge them and remember their name so the next time I see them, like you know, hey Terry, or hey John, how are you doing? You know, and just mm-hmm. you actually get uh, to know them. I I don't have to know their whole life story in two minutes, but hey hey, how are you doing? What brings you in today? Can I help you with anything? But Just so the fact that they're noticed. I got a funny story. So
1: one time, I was so proud of myself, I stopped and I spent time with somebody in the gathering area, maybe this front door of the cathedral rectory here, and, and I said, well, what's your name? Because names are important, right? Absolutely. So I'm talking. He says, my name is Mark. I said, oh, that's wonderful. That's good. And uh, so Mark this and that, and then he said... And then he sort of kept on talking. He said, well, yeah, my, my name is Mark because I like to mark things down on a sheet of paper. I was like, oh, bust. <laughs> okay, so that one flopped. <laughs> yeah, right,
0: right, right.
2: <laughs> so, uh, no, that's good. So. All right, well, what about introducing yourselves? I think we got into it pretty quick. So Monsignor Gillis, who are you? Where are you coming from? Where were you born? How would you become a pastor? Just what's your bumper sticker mm-hmm. on you?
1: So uh, <laughs> my name is Monsignor Richard Gillis. I hail from a by Stanley Boyd area and um, grew up as a kid in a very small rural country parish, but like I said before, I um, always went to mass. And uh, anyway, I was attracted to the priesthood through a, a question that came to me. Um, and then went into the seminary, ordained a priest in 94. Then um, taught uh, high school for three years. Went to Rome for two years of studies of canon law. And returned, worked at the diocese for eleven years and lots of administrative things. And and thank God Bishop Callahan invited me to be a, a pastor in Toma for ten years. And now I'm here at Cathedral, going into completing my third year. So, all
2: right, at you, Kevin.
0: Hi, I'm Kevin Decker, and I'm the Parish Mission Associate uh, to Monsignor Gillis, and grew up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, a military brat, as you call it, and uh, both my parents are proud people, served uh, both in the Air Force, which is, which is really awesome, and um, I d- didn't really grow up with, with uh, faith being very important or whatnot, but definitely had the good morals growing up of, of hard work, mm-hmm. You know you you do the right thing to other people you don't lie you don't steal those sort of things and so um i have cerebral palsy as well too so um a miracle to be here and not not only that but to be able to walk and do all the things i do played basketball up till my sophomore year in high school and uh, i'm very proud of that but um and then but uh kind of really drifted away from everything in high school and college got involved with a lot of different things fell in love with the catholic church randomly and um divine, got, d- divine providence di- Yeah, nothing's oh, random what am i delete oh. that out of there and um, <laughs> um but but divine providence found that got baptized and then all of a sudden i fell away again because i didn't i couldn't find anybody that was my age that was practicing they're all 50 plus so had to stand had a chance those, to do stand up those are
1: fighting words <laughs> uh, yeah, come at me my lord Those 50 year <laughs> yeah uh, 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 uh.
0: Well, anyway, so I had a chance to do stand-up comedy, so I did stand-up comedy for two years and got really mm-hmm. spiraled down into into the things of the world, and it was a Sikh conference that actually brought me back and put me in the right direction. I um, uh, decided to go and drove down and mm-hmm. I converted back to the church in January. They asked me if I want to be a focused missionary in January. I said, sure, and went for an interview in, in that February, and then got the job in February and I left everything I had and went to Ave Maria Florida for six weeks of training.
1: And you never really had much of a clue what you were getting
0: into. No, I had no idea. No (laughs) idea. I mean, I just had this massive conversion. I'm outside having a cigarette with one of the missionaries. He just looked at me and goes, do you want to be a focused missionary? I was like, sure. Didn't even know what focus was. Didn't even know that this focus is even putting this big seek thing on. I'm just, I just thought this was a random thing here and all these people are meeting and this is just great. So yeah, it's kind of nice that I'm just naive and didn't know much. So, um, you know, so then I get this. I, so yeah, and then I guess the two amazing stories that I have, I, I have to share these because this is just, I it just gives me chills. So when I got, to, when I got to Ave Maria, Flora, my dad calls me and he goes, "Hey, I just want to let you know your brakes went out in your car and you're gonna have to get them fixed." I was like, "Great, I have no money. Like, what am I gonna do?" So and I don't know anybody really Catholic in Grand Forks because I didn't really find a community. So I went to St. Mike's where I got baptized and and focus goes, Hey, any $20 handshakes you get, you can keep anything less than that. But, you know, any bigger checks or whatever, you know, give into focus. So um, money slowly trickling in this and that. I'll never forget this, this little old lady. She was so cute. And she comes up to me and she's like, bless your heart. This is just so amazing what you're doing. And she pulls on and she gives me $2. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I almost was like, you know, why don't you just keep the money? But I was like, oh, just <laughs> shut up. I need every penny I can get. So, so I kept the $2 and I added it up and it was $462. And then I, I open up my bill for my, for my breaks it was exactly $462, exactly what I needed to pay for my breaks. I was like, You needed wow. those $2. I needed those yeah. $2. Could you imagine yeah. if I tried I would have been $2 short. Yeah. So um, the, the, the best story, though, and I knew God was just in control of it. There's about a, two weeks left, and I'm, I am way short of funding to get to, to uh, lacrosse. And I, I remember my mom going, and she's like, if this doesn't work out, what's your plan? And I, I'm pretty sure I said this to her. If not, at least I said in my head. I was like, you know what, Muhammad? This doesn't work out. I am going to become a stoner in your basement and realize that there's nothing worth living for because God doesn't exist. He will find figure it out for me. So I went to I went to this the wealthiest parish in town, and I did my spiel there. And all of a sudden, money started flowing and everything's awesome. All of a sudden, and you can do the calculations. I'm pretty sure you're correct on this. So there was, I was $183 a month short. Of my my goal, and I'm like leaving within that week, and I'm like, oh gosh, how am I gonna make up $183? And I'll never forget this. Young priest calls me. He goes, hey, you had somebody, and I didn't tell anybody about this. And he goes, I I have uh, somebody that dropped off some money. Can you come pick it up? And I'm thinking like a small check, couple hundred bucks, whatever. Great. So I go, and this is envelope, and it's just thick. And I'm like, man, there must be a letter in here. There must be explaining something. I look. There's no letter. It's all cash. $100 bills, $1,500 of 100, Chris, $100, 22, was it 2,200 or something? No, it was 1,500, I believe. Anyway, I, I did do the math on it, and it came out to exactly $183 a month, exactly what I need to go for and my I packed up all my stuff, my little Chevy Malibu, and off I go to lacrosse. And it's the first day I got there, met my wife the first day, and uh, she lived with the women missionaries, and you know we were best friends for a year. I learned – I. I learned about evangelization plus learning what it means to be Catholic and just grew so much. And then we got married and then we had, we we dated for six months, engaged for six months and been married seven and a half years with four kids. And then how I got involved with this guy. So I, right after I was done with Focus, I still felt like I was called to some mission life. I was like, Lord, what what mission? I don't really have a degree, nothing. I don't want to go back for some stupid theology degree. I just want to live my life. I want to do the bare minimum. I just want to go to church. I want to get my sacrament. I just want to leave it to be lifestyle and whatever. So, but he kept calling, calling, calling. So after a year, I finally started leading a Bible study. And uh, I mean, I mean, you, you want to talk about... People, but I mean, I had everywhere from priests to daily mass goers to ex gang members to drug addicts to everything in my house doing this. I mean, it was just a hodgepodge and people were just coming. So it got so big after a while, it was like 15 guys. And so I, I, I couldn't handle it there. And one of my buddies was like, Hey, I'm sure Monsignor Gillis would love to have your Bible study over at the cathedral. So I was like, Sure. So then, and, and like, Hey, he's actually looking for this mission. So it's like, Sure, I'll apply. We talked. I kind of wore the guy out from my story. And then, well, and I had a, uh advertised the position
1: and wasn't getting anybody and I shut it down then I kind of I think I reopened it again nothing and I was like well this is not meant to be just just let it go and just do it yourself and so then I had totally closed that chapter of looking for an associate and then somebody said here try this guy that was a happy mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: because so, oh, I, I was like, I was like, mm. "Lord, I don't have a degree. <clears throat> How am I going to get this job?" He's like, "You know, I'll take care of that." So it's funny when I was telling him that. <laughs> that I went to Ave Maria, Florida for, for training in school. He thought I actually got a degree in Ave Maria didn't realize I was just six weeks of training. So it's like, after he hired me, he realized that. I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? I'm like,
1: oh, this was probably a huge mistake. And I'm going to have all these second guesses. Uh, Let me tell you right now, best decision of my life. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, so that was, we're doing great things. So yeah. all with God's grace. Can
2: so you close this out with a thought and then a prayer?
0: Sure. Uh, for, for final thought. I think the biggest the biggest encouragement that I could give people for the new evangelization and actually getting out there, and and just meet people. Don't be afraid. Even start small with your own church community. Get out of there. If you see people that are like, man, I see people all the time at church, but I never engage with them. Or anything like that. It'll be amazed. You stay after five minutes or mass and actually mm-hmm. greet somebody and say hi to and get to know them. It, it it'll just build this huge sparkway of success because people want to have relationship that's i mean another reason why they're at church so don't be afraid to get out there and get over yourself so amen
1: all right let us pray in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen heavenly father we thank you for the privilege of participating in your divine life by sharing that very divine life with our brothers and sisters who need us and everyone needs us to some degree and we need them so, Lord, thank you for the people that you bring into our lives. Help us to open our hearts to receive the beauty of who you are and the people that come to us in maybe less less beautiful just as we are to them. So, God, help us to be very generous in sharing the gift of your life with others. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Patrick. Pray for us in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.